You are listening live to Grant and Danny all over D.C., the DMV in Richmond on the fan. Caller number 10, 800-636-1067. Congrats, you're winning two tickets to see Nate Bargatze, the Be Funny Tour. It's Thursday, February 22nd. Cap One Arena tickets are on sale now. For tickets and more event information, go to thefandc.com slash events, courtesy of Monumental Sports. Remember to kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They're the official show sponsor of G&D. They'll help protect your assets and your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention us to get a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. Nats on deck of day one of spring training. NFL in the hole. Let's start the Beltway Blitz on the ice. Bailey Johnson covers the Caps for the Washington Post. Bailey, we'll get to the loss in a second. But another game, another OV goal. That is six in a row. That's five straight since the break. And dare I say, it's not just the goals. He's skating better. He looks better. 16 points in his last 15 contests. Yeah, it seems like maybe going to Dubai and riding a camel over the All-Star break was what he needed to fix himself. Um, he did have the what is the game right before the break as well, so that role really started before then. But you're right; he looks like he's skating better. He looks more engaged. TJ Oshie pointed out last week that he's more engaged in the defensive zone, which is what's leading to the offensive opportunities he's getting because his line is getting the puck out and having those sorts of extended zone shifts that create goals. And he's also getting bounces in a way that he wasn't at the beginning of the year. And sometimes that is all it takes for a goal scorer. You need to see the puck go in. Need to build a little confidence. He had one the other night that went off a defenseman's skate, and if it hadn't gone off of him, it was going to go to TJ Oshie to tap it into the open net. So those are the kind of bounces that he wasn't getting at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, something like that would somehow turn into like a two-on-one the other way and be a total disaster. So a little bit of luck is going into it as well, and nobody's complaining about that. Is this Caps team good, Bailey? I, I mean, we, we talk about these some of these bad moments that they have and, and sort of, okay, we you know we chalk that up, but you added up, added up enough moments here and you're you know in the 11th place in the conference I think by my kind of quick count what's their ceiling is this a good club I think the last couple games are kind of where we've started to see that they're not a great team because they've played absolutely pretty much as well as they could really in the last four games Florida a little bit was tough as Florida started to outplay them late but they got a good start there they obviously were outstanding in Boston to beat the Bruins and then they were really good against Vancouver and got undone by a late turnover. And I thought they played well against Colorado for large stretches of last night's game. And those are four of the best teams in the league. And they come out of those four games playing about as well as they could ask for with only three points, which I think shows you where the gap is between them and the best teams in the league. Like they're giving it everything they have and it's still not quite enough. It's a good point. When you're playing great and you're losing six, two or six, three to you know Colorado, it's pretty telling. Uh, what are the areas right now that you think, are the the bigger issues that they're having personnel wise or just execution wise? Well, that's the tricky thing because honestly, it's hard to point to something like they're getting stronger goaltending. It's tough because they really need their goalies to only give up one or two a night, and that's just not a thing you can ask for eighty-two times a year. Like part of what gets them into trouble in last night's game was a little bit of an outlier on the final score. Colorado scored two empty netters. It was four-three going into the final minute, so. I really consider that mostly a one-goal game. Obviously, the empty netters make it look a little uglier, but for large stretches, it was a one-goal game against Colorado. They battled back. The defense has been a little bit of a difficult point since Christmas, but they've started to tighten that up lately. Again, they're getting stronger goaltending. They're getting more contributions from up and down the lineup. Like That's kind of where it comes in of 
they're giving it everything they have and it's still not quite enough as far as like it might just be an overall talent level situation because they are getting pretty much what you could hope for. There are a couple guys you can look at like a Max Pacioretty who only has one goal since he's been back and a few other players who maybe could be giving them a little bit more. But for the most part, the last week they've gotten just about everything they could ask for out of their players and it turned into a win in Boston, but has only gotten them one other point other than that. Bailey, with about, not even about, with 30 games left, where could Ovi land in terms of goals scored this year? It's a good question. I mean, uh, my colleague Tarek Al-Bashir has been banging the drum that he was going to get 20 this year, and I didn't believe it. And now, obviously, with the stretch he's been on, it's, that seems very much within reach. So I would guess he ends up something in the 20 to 22 goals range, which if you had told me that in November, I'm not sure I would have believed. But it's looking now like he'll hit that mark pretty comfortably, I would say. Yeah, and if he does, we're back. In business. Doesn't mean he's going to get there, but he certainly got a shot at that point to bounce back next year, you know, score 30 again, and, and be in a, a decent striking distance. Billy, thank you. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Let's talk baseball on the day that spring training started. Day. Right. Bobby Blanco, Mass and Sports, is headed to West Palm Beach to cover the fellas. Bobby, why don't we start with uh, the fact that Mason Thompson, with an elbow issue we found out today, took place over the offseason. Not only going to miss a couple weeks, but the team's worried it could be longer than that. What do we make of that development? Well, first off, happy day that the pitchers and catchers report to West Palm Beach Day. down Day. In day. The day. 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 Um, yeah, that was the big news coming out of, of media talking to Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo on the first day of spring training. Um, yeah, that's a big blow to this bullpen. Um, we know that uh, Mason Thompson pitched some high-profile innings. He had a roller coaster season last year. A couple months, his ERA was fantastic. A couple months, it was terrible. Um, we've seen him pitch multiple innings out of this bullpen. He was kind of part of that back-end group that included Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, and this year, hopefully, Tanner Rainey as well. So that was supposed to be a strong part. Um, the Nationals really like his stuff, but, yeah, you don't want to see – Pitchers coming in with injuries before they even report. He's going to be shut down for, I think, about two weeks, uh, Davey said, and then um, they're going to reevaluate him. I think the concerning part was that Davey admitted they are concerned about it. It's not like, a, you know, just a kind of a soreness or something. It happened in an off-season bullpen session. So, you know, it's kind of a next-man-up thing. That's a pitcher that's not going to pitch for two weeks. So can a young guy or a non-roster invite guy step up and uh, – prove that they might be able to earn a roster spot while Mason sidelined. Speaking of not going to pitch, uh, I remember this Strasburg thing. We've been dealing with other stuff around here, but that end of last year, they're going to celebrate him, and then they're not celebrating him, and then he's going to retire, but they get paid, but then it's not happening. That was awkward. Nobody looked good in, in that uh, circumstance and saga. What's he going to do? I, I know he's not pitching, but he's still just sort of around. He's going to jog once a month? Like, What's the deal? Yeah, that's another question that I'm looking forward to as well. I saw our buddy Andrew Golden from The Post have on his Twitter timeline that Mike Rizzo said that uh, Strasburg isn't there, but Rizzo expects him to participate in some form or another, whether that's helping the young guys on the staff, um, you know, as like a, an assistant coach or a player coach of some kind because he can't participate physically. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing if Strasburg actually shows up. You know, does his arrival – does he actually arrive? I mean, that's a big storyline in and of itself because that would mean that, you know, whatever that awkwardness was between player and organization at the end of last year has hopefully cleared up. You know, they've got a lot to figure out between his contract, um, you know, whether or not he actually retires. Whether Bobby, or not let me jump in because I just want to follow up on that. Why yeah. would he show up? What am I missing? I mean, he's never going to pitch again. 
Like, what what would he? Are you saying a, as an instructor or like a? I'm, I'm, I hate to use the you know just to cheer on his teammates. Like, why would he be there? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're if you're Strasburg, I guess you wouldn't show up. I mean, maybe just a contractual thing. I mean, like I said, they've got to work out his contract. So if it's not going to be a player contract anymore, maybe it's an assistant, whatever contract, but uh, that's part of the thing they have to figure out. Um, yeah. If he's not, I think you're right. If he's not going to pitch, why would he show up? Um, but you know, he's still under contract. He's still listed on the 40 man roster. Today, 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 the pitchers and catchers report, I guess if you're technically on the roster and under contract, you're supposed to be there. So uh, we heard them say that they expect him to be there uh, at the end of last season. Mike Rizzo echoed that sentiment this afternoon. Um, yeah, it's kind of a weird situation, so I'll be surprised or very just curious to see if he actually does show up. Bobby, I'm a big fan of grabbing Jesse Winker on the cheap. Like He's not going to be a guy I would have paid a lot of money for, but on a minor league deal, you look at his numbers from 17 to 21, hit about 290, got on base at a 385 clip, slashed 500, was well above average offensively. WRC plus of 132. I think he not only makes the team, I could see him starting on opening day. What, what do you make of that move? Yeah, I agree. I think that's a very sneaky, nice move by uh, Mike Rizzo, um, who also said today they're probably done signing major league guys, but they'll sign minor league guys. There's plenty of free agents out there that are looking for homes. But yeah, I think, I mean, Jesse Winker also had a lot of injuries last year. I think he only played like 61 games. He had neck, back, leg injuries. Um, so it was just his results weren't great, but he was also banged up, missing a lot of time last year with the Brewers, a former all-star, a former first-round pick. Um, you know, he has a career OPS over 800. He's a 264 career hitter. So I think if Jesse Winker is healthy by the end of spring training, he yeah, I think he makes this club and is probably your starting left fielder, maybe with Joey Gallo as the D8. I don't know. They they went from having, like, no outfield depth to a lot of outfield depth now, now that we also know that Stone Garrett is fully healthy and full go. So he's an interesting addition, and I do think that if he stays healthy, and obviously he has to perform, too, because he's on a minor league deal, right? Like, he has to earn a spot. But if he does, I can see him making this opening day roster and even in the starting lineup. Bobby, thank you, buddy. It's good because we're talking baseball with our pal Bobby Blanco. Thanks, pal. And baseball, great. Have a good one, guys. See you, buddy. Hit the NFL Sounder, Dares. Our guy Nate Davis, USA Today, to talk about the NFL. Got to start here in Washington, Nate. The staff that Adam Peters and now Dan Quinn, by extension, have assembled, I don't know how good all these individual coaches are, but I generally like it when a guy goes from, say, like a defensive coordinator down to like a linebacker's coach or a former OC now coaching quarterbacks. It's a pretty impressive roster to this point, no? Danny, I haven't paid any attention to what's in Washington. I've been focusing on the 49ers and the, and the... <clears throat> Kyle Shanahan right now, and I can't give you an honest answer on that, but I mean, I do know Dan Quinn is a guy that uh, brings in solid people, um, you know, is, is a guy that's going to create a culture. Uh, obviously, we've seen what he can do on, on the on the defensive side of the ball, um, so I, I, I would expect that, uh, and I would expect that he really is kind of what this franchise <clears throat> has needed after a quarter century of, of bad vibes, but um, I, I like the hire. Um, I, I have full confidence Dan Quinn will put together a pretty good staff um, you, you saw a lot of guys from the staff in Atlanta get get good jobs elsewhere. So that that, that would that would tend to follow. Nate, what do you make of the blowback Shanahan after getting back to the Super Bowl with a second quarterback in five years is getting now overtime decision? The fact that he's been to three Super Bowls and doesn't have any rings. Yeah, actually, I wrote on that grant today, Grant. I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of classic second guessing. Um, you, you know, I, I I get it. You know, we, we saw we saw what the result was. 
you know, I, I've seen some players kind of come out and say, yeah, you want you want to take the, you want you want the ball second, so that you saw, um, you, you know, you, you know what you're chasing with, with that possession. But by the same token, by taking the ball first and trying to dictate terms, uh, you're also telling your defense, you know, what, what they need to do, uh, which was keep the Chiefs out of the end zone. Uh, and had had they held them to a field goal, um, you know, that they do get that third ball uh, in sudden death, which was Shanahan's rationale. Uh, all along, you know, there's not like there's any analytics data really to, to you know, hang your hat on with this thing because we've never seen this happen before. Uh, but he, he, he kind of said it, Grant. I mean, he's, he's been to three Super Bowls, one as a coordinator. You know, I don't, I don't know that Matt Ryan's going to be a league MVP uh, under anybody else. It's not like he's had, you know, Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Uh, but for four NFC championship games in five years, two Super Bowls, I mean, he, they haven't quite got it done. But um, I'll take that guy as my head coach. Nate, speaking of the 49ers, are, are you surprised they're moving on from Steve Wilkes? I, I know that defensively they weren't great in the postseason, but after only one year, that's pretty stunning to me. Yeah, I mean, given the personnel they've got, Danny, I mean, I thought the unit underachieved a little bit based on what they did under D'Amico Ryans, based on what they'd done uh, under Robert Sala. I mean, there, there's really no holes personnel-wise on the defense. They, they did lose Safanga. Um, they're, they're all pro safety, I think, in, in November, but uh, you know, they didn't. There, there were issues certainly on Sunday. Uh, they kind of wore down. I'm not. I'm not sure that you know, the the depth was properly used there. Um, you know, I have, I have. You know, Kyle Shanahan talked about this uh, a little while ago before all the events out of the, out of the parade there in Kansas City. But um, I, I would say that based based on the talent quotient that exists there, probably not as good a defense as they should have been. Nate, specific to the Chiefs and the Mahomes conversation now discourse moving forward what do you make of the comps first six years of him first six years of Brady he's outperformed him and whether or not that allows us to open the door now to talking about if he's the best quarterback we've seen yeah I mean I think he's squarely in the conversation what I mean he's it's Mahomes Brady and, and Montana I think that have three at least three, three Super Bowl MVPs uh, that that's obviously a pretty short list. Um, six six years as a starter now, um, so so Super Bowl MVP in half of the seasons. But I mean, to me, the big distinction between Mahomes and Brady, kind of to, to this point of their careers, is that Mahomes has really been the driving reason um, that the Chiefs have been so good. I mean, it's it's been based on on him and what he's done. I mean, he's he, he's the leading light light there. Um, you know, Brady's first couple seasons, the Patriots were, were kind of a, a defense oriented team. Uh, very often a, a run the ball, ground the clock out kind of team, uh, and you know I, I feel I feel like that there might might have been a conversation around Brady, similar to the one that Brock Purdy's been subjected subjected to the last couple months. You know, had, had they not been uh, win, winning those games, so um, for my money to this point in his career, I, I don't know that anybody's had a better six year start than Mahomes, and certainly I think it's fair um, to start having those conversations. Nate, thank you as always, buddy. Talk soon. Thank you, guys. Dan Quinn's coaching staff is almost entirely hired at this point. Are you more excited by what he's done on the offensive or defensive sides of the ball? We're Grant and Danny. That's next on The Fan. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on The Fan. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad, the official G&D show sponsor. Help protect your assets, update your will, and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy 
with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to get a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. We've got a chance for you to win a four-pack of tickets to experience the best lacrosse in the world right in our backyard, President's Day weekend. The PLLs coming to the St. James. If you want a four-pack of tickets, make sure you're listening at 6 o'clock. Big news in D.C. sports today, Dan Quinn finalizing his coaching staff. Went out and added Anthony Lynn to be his new passing game coordinator, a running game coordinator, rather, on offense. Brought in Daryl Tapp to be the defensive line coach and even added a second secondary coach in Tom Donatell, who comes over from his time with the Chargers. So we now pretty much have a beat on, I would say, what this coaching staff is going to look like. Maybe a tweak here or there, might rearrange a deck chair. But for the most part, we know what the coaching staff is. Question we've got for you guys on the MGM National Harbor listener lines is, which staff do you like better? What Dan Quinn was able to assemble on the defensive side of the ball or on offense? Because remember, we were sold the whole point that was celebrated by the team after they hired Dan Quinn and said, he's not our third choice. We didn't settle. We love him. Other than just he's awesome, he's a good leader of men. The big selling point was he's going to put together a great staff. So first and foremost, do you like the staff? Do you like what he put together here? It looks like it's pretty much complete. 800-636-1067. And then of the two sides of the ball, what do you feel better about? So really impressed. Really impressed. Again, the this isn't just my buddy from Carolina that time. You know what I mean? Like this is... Multiple organizations, multiple cross points, inflection points of you know, relationship building and years in and around football being very well respected. It's not just, I know his dad, so he's going to be my OC for three years. We wouldn't be anywhere else. Very few Quinn lifers. Joe Witt Jr., who I actually love as the DC, and I've never seen him call play, so I can't tell you he's going to be great at that. But I think he's a really good secondary coach, and he's going to help some of the DBs here a lot like he did in Dallas. He's the one guy that was with Dan Quinn, to my knowledge, for three stops. You know, there aren't really, the to your point, the Commander Rivera lifers that just go wherever he goes, which I think is a good sign. It's a great sign. And again, people from other organizations, be they Seattle, be they San Francisco, be they Detroit now, are coming to work with Dan Quinn on the staff. So promise fulfilled. Box is checked. Whether you whether you have a gripe with you know, of Cliff Kingsbury specifically or not, his scheme and design, I think reasonable minds can disagree. But the point is that's a name that certainly rings out uh, as a guy that's, you know, as some celebrity status who's been a head coach, who's been knocked down a peg, who's now your OC. To me, the more impressive group is the defensive group because, again, that's it's more uh, you know, kind of coming from everywhere, even an internal hire, a holdover in Ryan Kerrigan. But you look at uh, the accomplishments of guys like Jason Simmons from a Raiders defense that was sneaky, pretty damn good here, especially when, when you look at their secondary. You look at Joe Witt, a guy that was going to probably get the D.C. job in Dallas but didn't want to stick around for a potential lame duck in, in uh, Mike McCarthy. Ken Norton Jr. has been a defensive coordinator, now a linebacker's coach. Uh, a couple of ascending guys like Daryl Tapp, who's only a couple years removed from being a pretty effective player in the NFL. Really, really cool to me. So give me a, the defensive staff by a, a hair, a, a small margin, but overall, big picture, that's been the most impressive part about all this is – not just an empty promise and not really delivering on anything and asking you not to worry about it. This was the appeal of Dan Quinn. This was the point. It's not just him. It's who he'd end up bringing with him. And I've been pretty impressed. I think it's the defense going away for me. 
And that doesn't mean that the offensive staff's bad. I think they put together a hell of a defensive staff. Really, really excited about what they did on that side of the ball. And specifically, Danny, I'm excited for the possibilities with their young players, right? With some of the guys that have been disappointing so far that haven't achieved what they were supposed to. I'm thinking Emmanuel Forbes at corner, or maybe it's Jamin Davis at linebacker. You know, there are going to be guys who benefit immensely from this change and who get a lot better really quickly. Guys that we've decided aren't very good or aren't starters or aren't impact players. And maybe with this coaching now, you get more out of them. And I really accentuate this, the secondary in this regard mm-hmm. because I think the world of Joe Witt Jr., I think really highly of Dan Quinn, who was a DB's coach before he was a coordinator, Legion of Boom style. I think he's going to help the secondary a lot. So on defense, where Joe Witt Jr., I think, is a stud. Jason Simmons did a really good job with the Raiders. Out of nowhere last year, they had one of the great DBs in the league kind of emerge out of obscurity. Uh, In Simmons' case, it was a top-10 scoring defense. You go to the linebacker position. Ken Norton Jr. was a dude as a coordinator at one point. People loved him. He was a rising star in that role, so to have him as a linebacker's coach I think keeping Kerrigan around is a good thing. Uh, He meant a lot to the organization for a long time. Does everything the right way. Cut him open. He bleeds burgundy and gold. Like, you need a couple guys like that that are workers in the building that are, as you said, they're climbing. They're they're learning. You know, he could eventually become the D-line coach. And then, who knows, the the defensive coordinator. Like, that that is very possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other one is John Pagano, who's a senior defensive assistant as well, that I would throw into that mix. But Daryl Tapp, as you said, there's a balance here between grizzled, longtime veteran types and younger guys. And what's really interesting to me about the defensive side of the ball being so loaded, that's Dan Quinn's baby anyway. Uh You know he's going to be mixing potions and working his butt off as a defensive coordinating head coach. He won't call the plays on game day, but think about it. I mean, him and Joe Witt are going to be meeting constantly. Everything Witt does will kind of be funneled through him. So you have to also add Dan Quinn into that coaching staff. I think that's a fair point. Who's one of the best coordinators of the last couple of years in the league. So it's Quinn, Witt, Simmons, Norton, Kerrigan, Pagano, Tap, among whoever else they're going to piecemeal together. It's that balance of pelts on the wall and ascending yeah. that, that I like. It's not just one or the other, right? It's not just, I've been with Ron for 26 years. Lord willing, I'll see 27. No, thanks. It's a it's a great mix. So I'm <laughs> right. def- I'm defense too, but let me make a case for, for offense. Yeah, we, if we I can. can go to that side All right. of the ball. So Kingsbury, regardless of what you think of him as a head coach, and I think he was probably a bit overwhelmed and overmatched, there's a, a pedigree there in terms of offense. It, it is a style. It is very modern. It's about you know a, a young quarterback dropping back and throwing the football a, a bleep ton. A lot of principles that he employs are kind of what's going on in the league right now. You marry that with Brian Johnson, who helped oversee Jalen Hurts' ascension, bumped down to kind of a quarterback, maybe pass game coordinator uh, type role. Add in Anthony Lynn, a former head coach in his own right, another OC guy, who's going to help blend running game to all this sort of stuff. So it's not just drop back 70 times and see what happens. You're going to have some, presumably, some marriage routine, uh, run game, pass game, something that's been missing here over the last couple of seasons. That's a pretty good staff in and of its own right, right? A couple of carryovers and Bobby Ingram uh, and company. That's not a bad set of, of coaches either. I don't think it's a bad set of coaches at all. Uh, yeah, I'm not disappointed by the offensive staff. Totally with you. I think the bigger names are on the offensive side. 
I like the hirings and fits more on the defensive side, if that makes sense. Uh, I do too. Having said that, like where Cliff Kingsbury's a theoretically a home run hire. He's a former head coach. He's a star. He's a guy that was the centerpiece of a, a recent hard knock season, right? They, they were in his car. They were in his living room. Everyone knows the guy. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a great offensive coordinator. He's never been an OC in the NFL. He's been a head coach who called plays similarly, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a right, same right, right. kind of deal. But he's never just been a coordinator. There's a chance he does a great job. There's also a chance that what we saw in Arizona when he was the head coach and calling plays there continues, which is they're under center never. You know, they're in shotgun constantly. Some of the trends and things that work best in the league in terms of play action, you don't take advantage of. And your team is just, uh, your, your offense, I should say, not his team, but his, his offense is very average, which was the case with the Cardinals. Brian Johnson, again, a big name. That guy was getting head coaching interviews a couple weeks ago. Now, a lot of that was because going into this season, his name was in the the hopper. Mm-hmm. His name was in that cycle already of up and coming, young ascending. The Steichen Gannon tree exactly. in the school. Yeah. Coordinator for the Eagles. They're going to be in the Super Bowl mix. It's Jalen Hurts, MVP candidate. Look at this guy. And so teams were putting their list together and he was on it. But it was not a particularly good season for him. Eagles fans are not sad that he's out. I would just point out that was, again, as a play caller and as a coordinator. As a passing game coach, I think he has a chance to be very helpful. I liked that hire a lot. But that's still, to me, like in the where I would say Kingsbury, to this point, has been more name and idea of him than production. It, it, the, the bark has been bigger than the bite. You could say the same thing about Brian Johnson, who was like in the fast track in the Cool Kids Club and the production this year yeah, when he got... It's the, been derailed. Exactly. For whatever reason, whoever, whoever's fault it is, I don't know, but you get bumped back in the line a little bit. Anthony Lynn's a big name. Anthony Lynn is, is a guy... He was a head coach in the league. Yeah, like, Today honestly, when they hired him, I said to my wife, I said, the, the commander's got Anthony Lynn. And she said, you're kidding. I said, no. And she goes, that's the guy who uses paper towels to grill it on hard knocks. That's how she remembers him, by the way. Okay. He, like, puts paper towels on his tongs and every. I don't know why. He grills with paper towels. So he surrounds the tongs? Yeah. With paper. So the tongs don't actually touch the and meat? And like when he's cooking chicken, he like bastes them with paper towels. And then he like, no, he, he, for some reason, I'll try to find a video of it. Anthony Lynn cooks with paper towels on the grill. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a weird bit. Uh, but anyway, my wife watched Hard Knocks with me and remembered that. And she knows him. She's like, oh, the paper towel grill guy? I'm like, yes. There's other things on his resume that. But he's done other stuff be- better than that. Like I remember, it reminded me, by the way, of like there was a, a graphic on the news years ago that said Mike Rizzo, like the general manager of the Nationals, and it just says traded Juan Soto underneath him. I was like, he's done other stuff. Yeah, but he's gonna be <laughs> exactly. What, what I also liked about the offensive staff, if I could give a couple more quick compliments, please. Number one, they kept two guys. Now that sounds like a dumb thing to be excited about. Here's why I like it. It tells me they were really thorough in evaluating who's good and who isn't. If you just wiped everybody out, mm-hmm. you just came in, you said the offense wasn't good, and you, you turned the page. My guess is they listened to people that were here, ownership and otherwise. They interviewed the folks that were left over, the incumbents, and they said, this Tavita Pritchard guy. Yeah, Ingram can do this. Pritchard can do this. Sure. Yeah. And then uh, the negative would be Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach. Uh, I don't know enough about Bobby Johnson to say that it was not a good hire. Tougher sell there. I yeah. wouldn't go that far. All I know is... In the same way that I'm really excited about Joe Witt Jr. because of what he's done with DBs, and I'm excited about Jason Simmons because of the Raiders secondary, Bobby Johnson coached the O-line for one of the worst lines in the league. So it's just hard for me to get real excited about that. 
So I'm going defense over offense. I, I am too. Just one quick point about Lynn that I, I tried to quantify to people. And I was talking to one of the dads as I was uh, walking kids to school this morning. He's a, it really wasn't a good head coach. I was like, well, he was a pretty middling head coach. And this is the point you and I, I think try to make all the time. Nobody's asking Anthony Lynn to be the head coach here. Right, he had a twelve-win season in 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 L.A. By the way, or coordinator because he was not a good coordinator. And, there, and there's that too in Detroit, and he lost his play calling duties to Ben Johnson. But he's also not doing that. Yeah, here. like I, I do. I know I do a lot of shtick, and I I don't think very much of Ron Rivera. But if if somebody hires Rivera tomorrow as like the linebackers coach, that's a win for that organization. I don't want him having that much responsibility, but he can conduct a meeting uh, and say more so than anything else, be where your feet are to to a group of three or four inside linebackers. I got no issue with that. That's a tremendous hire. For someone that's been in charge of a building, that's been in charge of an offense, that's now just your concern, man. Get us four and a half yards on first down on some runs. Hell yeah. The selling point on Dan Quinn was notably that he would hire a great staff. Delivered. And it seems like this staff he put together is really, really good. How do you guys feel about it? What side of the ball are you more intrigued by? G and D on the fan. How old are you? You're old enough to have had guys getting hired as college football coaches on your fantasy team. That's how old you are. Deshaun Foster. Yeah. You remember that guy? Carolina uh, two-headed monster. Deshaun, the, the original one. Not Jonathan Williams and D'Angelo. Uh, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. Deshaun he Foster. He was before that. Yeah. Was he part of a two-headed monster? I could have sworn he was. I Who could be was wrong he about in that now. With? I could be wrong. He had some uh, 220 carry, 900 yard seasons. Regardless, he he's back home at UCLA and he's the head coach. Actually, later in the show at some point, I want to maybe in our final segment, I want to play his uh, opening remarks in his introductory press conference. He broke down in tears. It was inspiring to listen to how much it means to him to be a head coach. But we're getting there, man. We're getting older. D- do you think coaches are getting hired faster, younger? It's both. Or are we just old as crap? It's both are true, okay. by the way. So, but it, that is the thing, by the way, because the trend line is is nobody who's been around 55, 60-year-old retread Randy. That's not the trend. The trend is, were you playing in recent memory of the guys that you're going to be recruiting? And the answer is yes. That's what everyone's looking for, especially because the landscape of all this stuff is changing, right? I mean, think about a college coach. Think about, like, you know, the Jim Bayheims of the world, like, whining his way about the NIL and the transfer portal. You know, like, those guys, are, they don't want to handle that stuff. Nick Saban just wins every single year. They're always the national title game, and he's like, this is too much, all right? I'm out of here. Like, I don't want to do it no more, all right? Gone. Just because it's too much of a pain in the butt? I mean, so, yeah, like, you're going to have nothing but, like, 29, 30-year-olds uh, coaching teams from now on. Let's go to the phones, 800-636-1067. We're looking for your feedback on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Topic at hand, we were promised a great coaching staff from Dan Quinn. Not only did he say he would put one together, but that was the main selling point the organization came out with when they got their initial blowback of what was viewed as a boring hire of Quinn. And he has delivered the goods. The staff on paper looks excellent. On offense, Cliff Kingsbury, former head coach. Brian Johnson, former coordinator play caller. Anthony Lynn, former head coach, coordinator play caller. Tavita Pritchard, Bobby Ingram held over. Bobby Johnson brought in to coach the O-line from inside the division. On the defensive side of the ball, Joe Witt Jr. would have been calling plays as the Cowboys' D.C. They had to scramble and go get Mike Zimmer out of retirement. Jason Simmons did a nice job with the Raiders in the secondary. 
Ken Norton Jr., former D.C., who's called plays. Linebackers. Kerrigan retained. Pagano brought in as a senior advisor in an assistant role. Are you more excited about the offensive or defensive side? And how do you grade Quinn's staff? I'm going to give the staff a B. I'm leaning toward B+. Plus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep B. Just because I have what I believe is a healthy skepticism about Kingsbury and the offense. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I don't think it was bad to hire him or any of the guys that they did. But I'm going to say solid B. Tick above average, but I'm not giving it the full-on A. I'm thrilled great. Yeah, B plus with 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 a trend up. Because, again, if, if if Kingsbury's better than I think, I'm I'm worried, to be honest with you. I'm worried about the marriage with the run game. I'm worried that it's just air raid and we're not going to get the like development that I want. What would have looked like for you? Because, like, to me, Clint <sighs> Kubiak would have been an A. Yeah. You know, um, Frank Smith coming over and getting an assistant head or coach something, title yeah. and leaving Mike McDaniel to call plays. Something like that would have been an A. Hard, harder to say specifically, but yeah, those are a couple of really good examples. Th- again, there's that's a name, and there's plenty of upside there. And it's not as if the, he's he's you know some incompetent that wouldn't get a gig otherwise, right? There's a reputation there. I I wonder how much adjustment there's going to be, how much evolution is there. So that's my only question mark. That it's a B plus, but trending upwards. I would say. I got a tweet here at Grant H Paulson for me at Funny Danny for Danny. This guy, oh, it's actually Gylo. He changed his name on Twitter, but Gylo says. Foster was the two-headed monster with Stephen. With Stephen Davis. Davis, I think there's so. a year with D'Angelo Williams in there too, before I'm, I'm sure Stewart. At the beginning of yeah. D'Angelo's career. Let's go to Kenny in Waldorf on Grant and Danny. Kenny, how do you feel about the staff Quinn put together? Well, I think that the offensive names are probably uh, more interesting, but kind of like your your last guest on the Beltway Blitz who you brought on to talk about the Commanders and then talked about the 49ers the whole time. Seven-time Formula One champion Lewis Hamilton is going to Ferrari next year, so that should make Formula One interesting for the next couple of seasons. Uh, but that's all I got. Have a good one, guys. Appreciate you, dude. Thank Appreciate you. you. I think he's doing bits. It's a good bit. That is, if there's that is a, a Netflix bit. documentary, let that me know. I'll watch that. Speaking of Netflix, by yeah. the way, I watched another Netflix true crime joint last night. It is a wacky. So I haven't even done the, uh, what's the one you t- you put me onto? It's in my queue. Yeah, I haven't but yet. But this is what you do to me. You I don't just, do, well, how dare you? Yeah, you don't I do this to you. Yes. The only show I gave you that you ever followed through on and enjoyed was The Crown. Other than that, you just tell me you'll watch something and then you don't. What? Yeah. What? How many shows have I given you and you're like, ah. I watch all the shows you give me. There's more than one episode. It's no, too I, many. I watch all the shows you give you me. You do not. Because now you only give me the shows that you know I'll watch. Here's the show. It's Crew Crime. Uh, why can't I say it? I keep saying Crew Crime. Say, say, start, start a sentence with it and go. It is a? It's a true crime documentary. 90 minutes long. Okay. So the other one I gave you was like five episodes. What's that one called again? American. American Nightmare? Nightmare. Yeah, it's in the queue. I promise. Which is unbelievable. This one also wacky twists and turns. Another, this has to be a movie, this doesn't happen in real life situation. Just a reminder that there are sadistic people out there. Oh, yeah. And it's a good thing to remind yourself every, just to lock your doors and your windows, that there are just creeps lurking. And for you single people out there, there are creeps that you're going on dates with, okay? Oh, dude. I don't mean to scare anyone. Dude. But lover, stalker, killer. That's the name of the documentary. Now, did you did, you did Don't Bleep with Cats, right? Remember that one? Years ago. Yeah, yes. years ago. Is it, is it, is it kind of like that? 
sort of feel that vibe? Uh, yeah, kind. I mean, they're all in the same drawer. I'd yeah, say yeah. you're pulling them out of the same that you shop on the same uh, aisle. I still think American Nightmare Nightmare is better. It's you know few episodes, but this is nice, neat, and tidy. Ninety minutes, sit down, you're done that night, like going to a movie. Bing, bam, boom. It it's weird to say it's good, but it is a it's a thriller, if you will. It's it it's real life, man. People's lives were ruined, but it's a lot. Uh, all right, how do you feel about Dan Quinn's staff? That's the question. Give us a letter grade, offense or defense. Where did he do a better job? G and D on the fan plus. A big mock draft that I've been waiting on dropped. They have the commanders going May or Daniels. That's next.